Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Okay, let's open up to the book of Ruth, chapter 1, please. Book of Ruth, chapter 1. Father, we just uh, give you this time in the book of Ruth. We just pray that you would bring out those things that you want all your children to know today. And if there are people here or on the Internet that don't know you, that before this day is over, they will come to know you as their father, as their dad, and put their life into your hands. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's jump in. Verse 1, now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. Two things I want to look at right off the bat. Number one, are the judges ruled? And number two, famine. Now we're going to do, I love to exercise our fingers a little bit. So first of all, the book to your left is the book of Judges. It's right there. So Ruth, this book, took place during the time of Judges. Now, judges were when men or even a woman, Deborah, was one of the judges. And she, they were the head, the spiritual heads of the land. But just because there was a spiritual leader didn't mean that the people followed that leader. It's just like today. There are believers in Jesus who follow the Lord. And there are people who call themselves Christians that don't follow God as their Lord. So this was a time when the judges ruled. Now, if you look in the book of Judges, it should be to the page right to your left, the last verse, verse 25 of chapter 21, it says, in those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Oh, my goodness. Aren't we seeing that today throughout the world? And definitely in our country, that everybody's just doing what they think is okay, that there's no consequences. You can do anything. Well, Psalm 2 says that Jesus is sitting in the heavens. God is sitting in the heavens just laughing at the plans, the strategy of men, that they think they're going to outsmart God and and do things above God. But the best is coming. We're going to see our God intervene in ways that go all the way back to the times of the Egyptians and the Jews where God just worked miracles that the whole world sees or saw. And we're living in that time. You know, we're people of God. We're the children of God. Amen? Right? I mean, we're the children of God. So our God wins. Right? You have all the four quarters in a basketball game. You got nine innings in a baseball game. And some innings you lose. But the game is won already. So we lose some innings. We're going to win the game. It's over. It's a slam dunk. It's a home run. It's a grand slam. It's a walk-off. It's going to happen. Why? Because we want it to? No. Because God has promised us that. He's going to put it. All this stuff that's happening out there in that crazy world are things that are going to fall into the plan and place of God. We're going to see it unfold. It's puzzle pieces. But what's very important is that you and I need to make sure as every breath comes, every breath, 
that we are drawn closer and closer to our God because he wants to reveal us and prepare us and give us a hope that the world does not have right now, but we have. Jesus is the light of the world. You are the light of the world because you have Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit living in you. So as this world gets darker, guess who shines brighter? You guys and you girls. That's awesome. So the judges ruled. Now, turn with me to Deuteronomy 11. And high school kids, junior high, senior high, you're in here today. Okay, it's communion Sunday, so you're here today. So I didn't forget to send you down. I want you here today. I need you here today, young people. So let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 11. And we're going to look at verses, just verses 16 and 17. So Deuteronomy 11, verses 16 and 17. And it says, Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived. And you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you. And he shut up the heavens so that there be no rain. And the land yield no produce. And you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving you. So notice when a famine comes. One comes because your hearts are deceived. Two, it comes because you turn aside and you serve other gods. You take God off the throne and you're worshiping other things. Three, God, as a result of that, shut up the heavens and there was no fruitfulness in the land. And people were dying spiritually and physically because of what they did in their disobedience to God. So now let's turn back to the book of Ruth. And we see in verse 1, there was a famine in the land. God already told them in Deuteronomy, they knew that they should be following God. And as a result of not following God, there was a famine in the land. Shouldn't have been. Should not have been. Now, question. Do you feel there's a famine in your heart? Do you feel there's a dryness in your soul? Is there something going on inside? Remember, this was a time that the judges ruled. So my question for all of us is who is ruling your heart? What is ruling your heart at this time of history? Boy, it can be a lot of things, right? It can be fear. It could be stress. It could be anxiety. It could be joblessness. It could be uncertainty. What is it that's going on in your heart? Well, one of the cool things is God loves you and me so much that he uses the very things that are driving us crazy inside, stressing us out, to bring us to the point of getting closer to him. Because that's our God. Because all things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. All things. Not just good things. Not just pleasant things. All things. 
even famine things. So as we look at this and go on, now notice it goes, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Now, this is really interesting here with this stuff. Bethlehem, we know, is where Jesus Christ was born. Bethlehem means house of bread. Bethlehem means house of bread. Jesus is known as the bread of life. He was born in Bethlehem. Very important. That's huge. So here in Bethlehem, the house of bread, there's a famine. Huh? How does that happen? Well, we know. We saw in Deuteronomy. People were deceived. They turned their backs on God. Now, he was not only a certain man of Bethlehem, but he was a certain man of Bethlehem and Judah. Judah means praise. So, in the house of bread, there's supposed to be praise. Guess who's trying to stop praise throughout our country and throughout our world? The government. They don't want you to sing anymore. Huh? If we don't sing, you know what's going to happen? The rocks will start singing, praising our God. The rocks will start singing. We're called to praise God. We're called to meet together in the house of bread where Jesus is the bread of life feeding us. Now, you might not have had a physical breakfast this morning, but Jesus is feeding all of us from his word right now. We're becoming spiritually nourished right now. And you were praising God just a little while ago. Now, notice this certain man went to dwell in the country of Moab. <laughs> Moab. Moab was an incestu- incestuous son of Lot. And that's what his territory that he populated was. And all the descendants of Moab. So Moab was a place. And in Psalm 60, verse 8, it says, Moab is my wash pot. My wash pot. You know what a wash pot is? Wash your hands in it, you wash your feet in it, dirty clothes, dirty dishes. It's filthy. It's filthy. Moab is filthy. It's a wash pot. So check this out. This guy goes from the house of bread and prays to dwell and eat in the wash pot. Anybody home? But now, where do you and I go to nourish ourselves? Where do we go? Channel 247? Whoa! Wow, the Word of God. The Word of God. Real news. Not fake news, real news. We got it right here. Real news, true news. Right here, the, from the bread of life himself. Now, not only does this guy, this certain man, go to Moab, to the wash pot, he brings his wife and his two sons. It gets better. 
Verse 2. The name of the man was Elimelech. Now, understand as we look at the book of Ruth, or just these passages today, that you are that certain man. You are that certain woman. You are that certain teenager. Junior high, senior high. You are those certain people that God is trying to speak to. To build up. To give you spiritual food. Now the name of his wife was Naomi. And what's so cool in the Old Testament, so many of the names of guys and girls have spiritual significance. Naomi means my delight, pleasant. So the name of the man was Elimelech. His name means, ready, my God is king. My God is king. So there was a time in this guy's life, in your life, in my life, if we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we kicked ourselves off the throne. I'm going to probably have to ice that after right there. Should have stretched first. But they kicked themselves. We kicked ourselves off the throne and we put God in the center of our world. Right? Elimelech, my God is king. My God is king. You and I. Jesus is our king. Jesus is our Lord. Jesus is our Savior. Awesome. But is he? Is he our king, our Lord, our Savior in word only? Or do our actions back up who and what he means to us? Now, there was a famine in the land. We see where Elimelech and his family went. They went to the wash pot. How about you today? Just today. This, this past couple days. Maybe the past few months. Where have you gone? Now, it's so cool to see everybody here. Praising God, worship and fellowship. And that's awesome. That's what we're called to do. And there's some people that can't be here because of an immune system. And we, you know, they're being reached today by the same God that's reaching you and me. But God wants to do something in all of our hearts. And I believe this is such a cool message today because God's delight is you. You. You are pleasant in his eyes. Just like Naomi's name means my delight and pleasant. You are his delight. You individually are his delight. He loves you so much. He knows everything that's going on in your heart. Whether there's a fruitfulness in your heart or a famine. Or maybe half and half. He knows just how to reach you where you are. It's important that even when you're in a dry spot, you praise him. You sing songs to him. You talk to him. These are all important things for the Lord to bring fruitfulness into your heart. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion, Ephratites of Bethlehem, Judah. 
And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. And I just read in there, that was verse 2. Now, we talked about Elimelech, my God is king, his name, and Naomi, my delight and pleasant. Malon means sick. That name, Malon, means sick. Kilion means a mental and a physical decline, especially because of a broken heart. Maybe you can relate to Elimelech. Maybe you can relate to Naomi or Malon or Kilion this morning. Maybe there's something going on, something that happened that's just breaking your heart. Well, I have good news. The God who mends broken hearts is here. Where two or more are gathered in his name, he's right here with us. He wants to touch your heart today. He wants to touch your mind today. He wants to touch your body today. He wants to touch your spirit today. He wants to do a work where he's feeding you, building you up in him. And now as we go to verse 3, Then Elimelech, my God is king, Naomi's husband, died and she was left and her two sons. So when I started out today, one of the things that I wanted to bring out in that message was this whole thing of who's ruling you right now? Who's ruling your mind, your heart, your spirit? Is there a famine in your heart, mind, and spirit? And know, and know that if you're searching anywhere but to God himself, there's going to be things that are dying in you. There's that spiritual death as far as like a dryness. And God doesn't want that to happen. He wants to resurrect you. He wants to bring you new life. He wants to give you a hope that the world doesn't have. My God is king, died. Why? Well, he left the place that he was called to be. He left Bethlehem, Judah. He left dwelling in the center of God's will. He left praising him. He went to another land that they were never supposed to go to. They weren't supposed to interact with the Moabites. So they were disobeying God. And whenever we disobey God, there's going to be some form of death. Something dies. Something dies. Now notice in the end of verse 2, when they went there, they also remained there. What is God trying to tell us? That we shouldn't remain where we are right now. We need to get out of our bubble. We need to get out of our comfort zone. We need to go where the Lord calls us to follow him. Naomi my delight, pleasant, in verse 3, she was left with her two sons. She was left. She was a single mom with her two boys. Verse 4, now they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Oprah. No, no, it wasn't. I'm sorry, it wasn't Oprah. It was Orpah. And the name of the other was Ruth. And they dwelt there about 10 years. 
So remember, they remain there. You might say, well, how long they remain there? We find out. They were there for 10 years. 10 years. You think of, when you hear the number 10 in the Scriptures, I think right away of the Ten Commandments, the law. You see, the law has no mercy. Did you know that? Pastor Joe, when he was in the book of Romans, remember he taught about the law? The law is like a, a mirror. The Ten Commandments are like a mirror that when we look in the mirror, we see imperfections or dirt on us, and then we wash or shower to try to make ourselves look better. So the law is like the mirror. See, the law can't cl cleanse you, can't clean you up. It can only show you your imperfections. The law shows us sin. Shouldn't steal, shouldn't kill, shouldn't have, uh, you should honor your mom and dad. You should, you know, don't covet. So once you break any of those laws, the Bible says it's like breaking all of them. And all of a sudden, you're no longer perfect once you break a law. You've sinned. And the result of sin is spiritual death. But now we know because of what Jesus did when he came down, when God came down, died on that cross as the man God, Jesus Christ. He shed his blood as a payment for your sins and my sins. Our sins weren't covered. They were washed away as far as the east is from the west. They were put into the sea of forgetfulness all by what Jesus Christ did on the cross. But here, they're dwelling in this place, this wash pot, for 10 years. And notice in verse 4, they took wives for themselves, Orpah and Ruth. Now, Orpah's name means gazelle. You think of a gazelle, fleet-footed, graceful, going from one area to another, just, just alert and quick and beautiful. And Ruth's name means friendship. The title of today's message is Ruthless. Friendless. You see, Jesus said that he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother or a sister. He wants to be so close to you that even in isolated times, you have the audience of one, Jesus Christ, with you. doesn't matter what you're going through. He's right there with you through the valley of the shadow of death on your, his way to bringing you to a table, a pasture, right in the midst of your enemies to feed your face, spiritually speaking. Verse 5. Now watch what happens here. Then both Malon and Chilion also died. So the woman survived her two sons and her husband. The two boys die. Now remember... They're supposed to be in the house of bread and praise. They're down in the wash pot. There's death in the wash pot. We need to get out of there. We need to return to get back to where God can feed us. 
Verse 6, then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Hallelujah. God always is in the business of restoration, reconciliation, and resurrection. That's our God. He doesn't leave you where you're at. We know that. We know that. Older guys, girls, we've been to places, right, and gone through things, never thought we were going to get out of there, and now it's 10, 15, 20 years removed, and we look back and we see God's hand of faithfulness that has brought us through that time, right? And as we get older and we see God's faithfulness, when new things come that really shake us, hey, we're more confident and trusting because we knew he took us through all this other time. Young people, you might be there right now and saying, oh, what's going on? Where's God? He's right there with you. Trust us from older people telling you. He's right there. No matter what you're going through, he'll work it out. He'll, he'll strengthen you through it. Like um, Naomi, she's going to be brought back to the place where she should have been to begin with. Just like Jonah. Jonah was told to tell the people of Nineveh the word of God. But he didn't want to go. He wanted to do his own thing. So God put Jonah in the belly of the great fish and ended up going where God wanted him to go. But it was the hard way. God loves you so much that not only did he come down and die on the cross for you and for me and travel from the throne room of heaven, but he will use anyone, anything, to bring you back to the house of bread to eat and be nourished and praise him. Amen? Right? That's what he, that's our God. He wants to do that to all of us. COVID-19 didn't surprise God. It didn't surprise him. He knew it was coming before you and I were born. And he uses that fire. To purify his people, you and me. To polish the diamonds in the rough, you and me. He uses that pressure in that time so that we can shine and have an impact on the people who right now do not know him. Who have someone else or something else on the throne of their lives. But we are here. For such a time as this. We are here in 2020 for such a time. Now notice she's going back to visit her people. And she's going back because she heard that God had visited his people. That is an example of God's grace. The evidence of God's grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. He shed his grace on you. This nation was founded by men and women who looked to the living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jesus Christ. He shed his grace on us. And there are evil people that are trying to take away God's grace. They don't even pray to him. They don't even think of him. But God has a remnant here in the United States of America. They're right here. 
They're listening on the internet. They're going to church throughout the land today. They're warriors of God. There are men and women, boys and girls, who will stand for Jesus Christ and bow to no one but Jesus Christ. Before that day, when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But guess what? We're doing that now, you and I. We're practicing. It's going to be a no-brainer. We'll just do it. We see every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. That's going to happen. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Verse 7. Therefore, she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on the way to return to the land of praise to the land of Judah. Now remember, guys, girls, that this, those two girls, Orpah and Ruth, they were Moabites. They weren't Jewish believers in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were Moabites. They had pagan gods they worshipped. They had pagan gods that they were raised under as little kids. You young people here, depending on when your parents came to the Lord, they've raised you under the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, under the God Jesus Christ. But these two girls came up under pagan beliefs. Now, isn't it cool right here that we see something going on? That she was going back home. And her two daughters-in-law were going to go with her. And they started on their journey. Now, in verse 8, Naomi, my delight, God's delight, said to her two daughters-in-law, Go home, go return each to your mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead in me. Verse 9, the Lord grant that you may find rest, each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices, and they wept. You know, Naomi wanted for her two daughter-in-laws rest, peace. She wanted them uh, to find security and protection under another man's love, under a a husband that was going to take care of her, that they'd be a family together because her two sons were dead. So she was trying to look out for them. And let's see what happens. Verse 10. Well, end of verse 9 again. So she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. There was a passion there for Naomi. There was, a, there was a bond. There was a fellowship together. Naomi was an older woman who had influenced these two young girls. Something took place in their relationship. It looked like a beautiful relationship from what the scripture says. They were shedding tears as they were thinking about leaving. And in verse 10, and they said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I 
should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons. Are you going to wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Now, we've seen during this part of who was ruling the hearts of Elimelech and Naomi. We saw there was a famine in the land because they turned their backs on God. Not that they didn't believe in God, but they didn't follow his word. And death came as a result of it. And now notice what Naomi is saying. That the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Really? Naomi, what are you saying? You're the one who chose to leave the house of bread with your family. You're the one who stopped praising and going down to the wash pot. I told you what to do. Yet you disobeyed and now you're blaming me for your condition and position. But remember grace. Remember the grace of God? That's happening right now. She's going back to the house of bread. Verse 14. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Do you remember what Ruth's name meant? Friendship, right? Friendship. How do you know who your tight friends are? How do you know? They stick by you. And when do you find out those real friends stick by you when situations get tough? They're foxhole friends. They're with you through thick and thin. So we see here Ruth clung to her. You have a friend that sticks closer than a brother, Jesus Christ. Are you clinging to him today? Cling to him always, 24-7, 365. There's a guy I know that said to a family member, why do we have to go to church on Wednesday and Sunday? Or why do we have to go to this special event? Christianity is not a thing we do. It's who we are. For eternity. For eternity. We get to come together once or twice a week to fellowship, to get into God's word, to break bread physically sometime, to pray for one another, to laugh, to cry with one another. The church of Jesus Christ is the most essential thing on this planet. The body of Christ is the most essential thing. How do I know? Because Jesus Christ died on the cross for the individuals in the world, but especially those who accepted him as Lord and Savior. We're essential. So essential that the king died for us. That's how essential we are. All this stuff that's going on is temporary. It's going to pass away. But you and me, 
We're not going to pass away. We're eternal beings. Did you know that, everybody? And we're going to spend eternity with God or Christless, absent from God. And we have the years on the, or the days on this earth to choose where we're going to spend eternity. And God intervened to say, I'm trying to get your attention. And he still is. He'll do whatever it takes to shake you, to wake you, to put you in a position where you're clinging to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So we love it here where we see Ruth, friendship, clinging to her. And in verse 15, and she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Now think of this, everybody. Here's Naomi, knows the God of the universe. But she went away. I believe she still believed in that God of the universe in her 10 years that she was in Moab. I still believe she believed in that God. I don't think she worshipped the foreign gods. But notice something in Naomi that is missing. Wisdom, discernment, an evangelistic heart, discipleship, building into another person's life. She did for 10 years through her example, and maybe she did pray with Elimelech at dinner. Maybe they did study the scriptures. And these two girls were influenced by this lady. One more than another. Because Orpah now goes back to her family and to her gods. But Ruth, Ruth clung to Naomi. And now watch, we're going to get revealed the heart of Ruth. In verse 16, but Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people, Naomi, shall be my people. And your God, Naomi, will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also, if anything, but death parts you and me. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. Now the two of them went until they came to the house of bread. And it happened when they came to the house of bread, Bethlehem, that the whole city was excited because of them. And the woman said, the women said, is this Naomi? We see this girl, Ruth, changed. We saw her heart. We see her heart through the adverse situation. We're seeing the heart of men and women, boys and girls, through the situation we're going on, we're going through right now. With the craziness, with the workplace, with the school place. We're seeing it. But what I want to encourage you this morning 
is, are you part of the problem or part of the solution? Where are you? Where's your heart? God wants his people to be part of the solution. For the spiritual life of people who do not know Jesus Christ, to bring them to him. To bring them out of Moab, the world of Moab, the, the wash pot of Moab, to that Savior, the bread of life, so that Jesus comes into their heart and puts them in the direction of heaven. Whose life are you building into? Ladies, is there a young girl that you're praying about? And I don't mean young by the chronological age, but just a young believer. Men, is there a young guy you're praying for or working with or trying to build the Spirit of God that's in you and help that person mature? If your answer is no, pray that God puts somebody in your path. One of the things, the theme of the men's retreat is the invested life. It's with discipleship. One of the things in a a session of the apologetics class will be discipleship. I think it's the first Sunday in uh, October. We'll be starting a series here on the discipleship during prophetic times. It'll be on a Sunday, like 4 or 5 o'clock Sunday afternoon once a month. So we hope you take advantage of that because the Lord is showing us things that he wants us to be part of. So they come to the house of bread and notice all the women, they knew Naomi. She was one of the, the group and she left. And now she's coming back and the women are pumped up saying, is, is this Naomi? Is this pleasant coming? Look, there's somebody. Isn't that Naomi? And in verse 20, but she said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Really? Really? Remember, Naomi, with her hubby, left. They went to the wash pot. God didn't want her to do that. They went. But notice Mara means bitter. So the situations that have taken place in Naomi's life made her not a pleasant woman anymore. But made her bitter. How about us? What's going on? Are we better or bitter because of circumstances that are in our life? We need to do a heart check right now. Are you better or bitter? What's the difference between those two words? I. I. You and me. That's the difference between bitter and better. The letter I. Self-examine. 
Judgment begins with the house of God, the Bible says. We believe, I believe, that God wants to cause a revival in America during one of the most dark times in the history of this country. I believe that God wants to cause a revival on this planet because of what's going on. And you know, there are millions of on fire, born again believers throughout the world that are making a difference where they are in this very difficult time. Lord, change our hearts if they're bitter and make them better for you. You're, I want to be your delight, Lord. I want to be used by you to bring the bread of life to those people who don't have anything to eat, spiritually speaking. Verse 21. I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? God loves you and me so much that he will do anything to empty us of ourselves, to make us less and less and him more and more. But you and I are very stubborn as human beings, aren't we? We're thick-headed. It takes a lot to get through our heads and our hearts. But God's Holy Spirit, his word penetrates to the deepest part of our core. He wants to do that work. He wants to empty, of us, empty us of ourselves so he can fill us with only him. And guess what that does? It brings a light that shines brighter to others around us through what you're going through, whether it's a sickness, an infirmity, whatever the thing is that's going on. God is using that to draw others to him through you. Be alert and aware of that all the time. Don't take your job, your school, your family uh, for granted. God puts all these things in your path for a reason, to pray, to intercede, to touch, to love, to make a difference. Verse 22, so Naomi returned and Ruth, the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Not only did God provide bread for them in Bethlehem praise, but notice when she's returning, the fields are ready to be harvested. The fruitfulness is there. It's right out there. It's growing. The harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. You and I are the workers. The fields, the world to be harvested for Jesus Christ. He wants us to bring them into his heavenly barn. Are we listening? Oh, but Pastor Vinny, I can't do that. I'm 160 years old. 
Oh, I can't do that. I'm only five years old. How am I going to do this? This is too much stress for a little kid. You have the living God in your heart if you've received him as your Lord and Savior. He takes nothing and makes something. He takes a little and makes a lot. Moses, oh, Lord, I can't do this. I can't, I, 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 I can't even talk. Moses ends up leading two and a half million people out of Egypt. Two and a half million people. He takes a little and he does a lot with it. So he wants to take your excuse and my excuse and do a miracle. Are you ready? You ready to go? But Pastor Vinny, it's been like 20, 30 years. I haven't really seen much fruit. I mean, in my own heart, I know I'm a saved and I'm a believer, but I haven't seen much influence. Naomi, Naomi, 10 years in a wash pot. And she touched two girls' lives. You know, Orpa, we never hear from again. But Ruth, time out. Before I close, time out. So one of the things, read the book of Ruth. We're done, chapter one. I'm not going to go through all four chapters today, but read the book of Ruth. Be hungry. See what's happening. It's a love story. Give you a little teaser. Ruth marries this guy named Boaz, whose name means strength. Ready? Naomi ends up being, or Ruth, I'm sorry, ends up being the grandmother of King David. A Moabitess, a pagan, ends up being the grandmother of David. From the tribe of Judah. And guess who comes from the tribe of Judah? Jesus. God can take a wash pot situation and make it heavenly. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening and may God bless you.